one of the questions that I often get, like, who is your 24-hour maintenance? And I say, it's me. <laughs> I keep my phone on. But in reality, I just don't have that many disasters. And I don't think a lot of people do. I mean, I think disasters happen. But at the end of the day, like I say, how long have you lived in your home? You know, they say 20 years. How many times have you had a disaster in the middle of the night? Oh, never. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So it happens, but not that common. It is a common saying amongst real estate investors that you make money when you buy, not when you sell. While this catchy phrase has value, it fails to convey how easy it is to lose money through poor property management. Whether you self-manage or hire a professional, it is important to understand how to navigate the common pitfalls and challenges with rental properties without losing your shirt or your mind. That's why you have tuned in to Maximizing Your Property Value the Apartment Owner's Guide to Operating Rental Properties as a Successful Business. I'm your host, John Stiles, real estate agent and team leader of the VIP Real Estate Group at Bridge Realty. As a current multifamily investor and former property manager myself, I understand the headaches and difficulties of keeping an investment property from becoming a money pit and time sucker. It takes a solid business plan. It takes tested systems and it takes key team members to actually find success. So let's take a deep dive and maximize your property value. Welcome back everybody to another episode of Maximizing Your Property Value. I am so glad to be back to you, with you guys in the new year here, 2020. It's gonna be a great year and a great decade. Um, I'm pleased to announce that I've got with me in the studio today, Janine Christie. Uh, Janine Christie is with Christie Living which is a property management company. They provide services for both long-term and short-term rental properties. And Janine is the owner and broker. So Janine, thanks so much for coming in today. Thanks for having me. I appreciate it. Of course. And so Janine, would you take a moment just to tell our audience a little bit more about yourself? Sure. Um, like you said, I'm an owner broker of Christie Living. I have two kids, a 14-year-old and a 12-year-old, and my husband, Sean. And to give you a little background on how I got started, I owned, I wish, I think back in like 2000, I owned an ice cream coffee shop. It was not a success. I owned my own townhome, and my husband, now boyfriend then, owned his own house, and I was broke. And he was like, just come and rent, go rent out your property and come live with me. I mean, we knew we were going to get married and so forth. So I found somebody who rented out properties, um, furnished short term. I worked with her for a while. About three months later, I sold the coffee shop, ice cream shop, and I went to work for her. I worked for her about six months, and um, she approached me and asked me if I'd like to get my real estate license because we had a lot of clients that were here renting short-term and looking for a house to buy, and we just kind of wanted to do it under one umbrella. So I did that. Um, fast forward a couple of years, um, my husband and I got married, and I was pregnant with my first child, and it was just a lot, and I was doing real estate and rental, short-term rental at the time. So... I scaled back. I quit the short term and I'm like, I'm just going to do real estate and enjoy that and have some flexibility with my newborn. And I did that for about two and a half years and then market changed. So that was like in 2005 and then 2007, kind of when the housing, you know, everything kind of the values went down and so forth. I had a lot of folks who knew my background approach me to do property management. So I was like, okay, I'm just going to roll back into property manager management because 
I could do it out of my home and whatnot. And I just thought I'd have a handful of properties and whatnot. And I remember sitting down writing my um, proposal to folks and whatnot. And um, like, and at that point, I was pregnant with my second child. So <laughs> I was like, okay, I'm only going to take so many properties because number one to me was being a mom. So fast forward to like 2010, all of a sudden I had over 100 properties. And I was like, okay, I need to get somebody to help me a little bit. So one of my really good friends, she, um, I hired her to be my um, showing agent. So she was in the field. She would always show the properties and whatnot. And throughout that process, I've learned so much about property management. And I was always so thankful to those clients that gave me a shot because how long have you been in this business? Well, a couple of years. <laughs> but ironically, I was um, really successful at it, and I had a really good read on people. And it, I, like I said, I've just learned so much being in the business. And the rental industry has changed so much as well. So, right. Yeah. Well, that's interesting that your business was able to grow so much, even while you were kind of not trying to grow. Mm -hmm, exactly. So what do you think... Uh, why did that happen? You just were so good at it. People just were throwing you business or what? It was, it was a hundred percent based upon referrals. I never even advertised it as a property manage, manager. I mean, I would talk to others and so forth about it, but ultimately it was all referrals. And it was like, I got my name for my neighbor who you're helping rent out her property and whatnot. And it did, it just snowballed. Yeah. So. Okay. And what would you say is kind of the balance between the long-term side of the business versus the short-term management? When folks approach me and say, you know, what's a better fit, you know, for or what's more successful, whatnot, Minnesota is a vacation town in the summer, not in the winter. So what you experience it in the winter is that we have much more um, supply than we do demand. In the summer, I rarely have anything open. So your income is not stable. But with long-term, you have stable income because you're getting that same amount of rent. You have somebody who commit commits to 12 months or longer versus a 30-day minimum stay with a 14-day notice to vacate. Okay. So. And so the like the number of customers that you serve that are doing long-term versus the number that you're doing short-term, what would you say is the balance in your company? Um, I would probably say I have like 10% of short-term. Okay. And 90% long-term. Okay. Very good. And what about um, the type of properties that you typically are servicing? Are these mostly single-family houses or also multifamily? All over. I have single-family, condo, duplexes, triplexes, buildings. So they're all okay. over. I'm, I'm happy to manage anything. So, okay. you know, as long as it's a fit for what we offer and what, you know, owners are looking for. Yeah. And what areas do you service? All over. Really, if it's too far out, like, let's say, I'm trying to think of, like, Buffalo, I usually contact my showing agent. Are you willing to drive there? <laughs> right. And then I contact maintenance that I work with. Do you go to Buffalo? To make right. sure I'm covered in that area as well. Mm -hmm. And if they're willing to go there, um, then I'll take the listing. Yeah. So it just kind of depends on them because they're the ones that are in the field and going out to those areas. Yeah. Okay. I'd say the majority of our properties, though, are within the metro area. Yeah. Okay, so you explain how your business has kind of grown up. You mentioned 100 units at, at the time when you decided to take on somebody to help out. Mm -hmm. And where has it grown to now? How, how big of a staff do you have now? Well, it, the staff is me because oh. my contract workers are my showing agent and maintenance and any service provider. 
So I manage just a little bit over 200 properties. And that is one of my pitch to my clients is that you're always going to talk to me. So even if I'm on vacation, people will never know because (laughs) I always have my phone and that's just part of my life. So, um, but it's, it's not overwhelming when I'm because of the processes that I've put in place. So I can handle it. And people are asking, what's your number when you're going to have to hire more people? Yeah. It's a really good question because I've managed high as high as 240 properties. So I don't know. I mean, I, I feel like I can handle it because of the processes that I put in place. Yep. So. Okay. Well, that is kind of the goal of this show is to dive into those processes and, and kind of understand the behind the scenes of how to be able to handle properties well. So before we get into that, um, let's talk briefly about what should an owner uh, be looking for in a good property management company and, and why are kind of, what's your pitch of why you're the the right person for the job? Well, one thing is I'm very, very responsive and I think they need somebody that they can call in a moment's notice and get an answer in a timely manner. Um, I don't like, like I said, a lot of folks ask me like, well, what if, what if, what if, like, how do you handle all of these at once? Um, I always tell, I, I also interview the owners as far as what they're looking for. And owners that have managed their own rental properties, they do not want to pay high property management fees. And that's where I come in because I think there's a need for all sorts of property managers in what they offer. So I don't do bookkeeping. That's one thing that I don't do. So in for, with our rentals, our tenants pay online and those funds get directly deposited into the owner's account. If there's any maintenance done at the property, I schedule with my contractors. The owners know that this maintenance is going on just in case they have a secret fix. And once the the contractor invoices me directly and I forward that to the owner for payment. So I just do not do any counting. Therefore, I can avoid monthly fees. Okay. Well, that's that's a big difference I can see mm-hmm. um, where a lot of other companies do the bookkeeping in-house. And that can take a lot of time depending on the number of properties there are, number of transactions in the property. Mm-hmm. So I can see how you can keep your staffing low and um, kind of your your focus as well, because mm-hmm. you don't you can be more focused. I, I assume on you know dealing with the tenants and dealing with the owners and not just distracted with you know data entry type Correct. of stuff. Yeah, exactly. That's exactly what it is. So and I know me being involved in every maintenance transaction. I mean, I end up knowing the properties very well too. So, I mean, part of it is at the beginning that he, like I just took on a couple of buildings and I just said the first, you know, couple of months, I'm, you're just going to have to educate me a little bit on what goes on and when things go wrong, what vendors you call and whatnot, but they're really willing to work with me because a, they like my rates and because it's just me. So, yeah. Okay. Do you find that any of the owners that you talk to, um, see the bookkeeping issue as a drawback? Like they, they're used to you know, the third party manager handling that and then suddenly they need to figure that out? Some, yes. I feel some owners, and more so if they have, if they haven't managed before. So if they're just getting into, you know, renting out their property, they do, they want, they want the comfort of a property manager to do absolutely everything. And ironically, a lot of times they'll do that for a couple of years and then come back to me. Like, okay, you know, I think I can handle this. A lot of it's because it's, they're worried. What if something goes wrong? 
can, you know, either Christie Living or another property management, can they handle it? What's their process? All that, all those questions. And I just, you know, answer them the best that I can. But one of the questions that I often get, like, who is your 24-hour maintenance? And I say, it's me. <laughs> I keep my phone on. But in reality, I just don't have that many disasters. And I don't think a lot of people do. I mean, I think disasters happen. But at the end of the day, like I say, how long have you lived in your home? You know, they say 20 years. How many times have you had a disaster in the middle of the night? Oh, never. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So it happens, but not that common. And I yeah. wake up to it and I deal with it. So, yeah. That makes sense. Um, sorry, I'm just going to expand a little bit more on the bookkeeping because that, right, that's just, yeah. um, you know, it's, it's different. And so I think it's worth exploring a little bit better. Um, but I can see a benefit to it. It's one of the things when the third-party manager is doing the bookkeeping, usually the owner is dealing with an accountant as well who files their taxes. And maybe there's multiple different things that are going into that. And they almost have to redo some of the data entry, I, I think. Um, you know, they have to take what the management company did, and, and that might not include the taxes or insurance. So there's, it's kind of like there's two different pieces there, two different reporting that they're going to be turning into their accountant. Correct, yeah. So if, if the management company is not doing the bookkeeping, then maybe they can work directly with their accountant and the bookkeeping process there. Exactly. So. I mean, it, any reports they need, like, it's, cause like I said, they pay online. So I've had clients say, can you give me a report of all the payments made online this year? It's a click, click, here you go. So it's very easy. But to your point, that is like, I don't take, and that's the other thing. I don't take rent and deduct any maintenance that has happened or any other fees that another property management may deduct, like their monthly fee and whatnot, they get that full month's rent. So I think that it makes it easier for owners to manage their own money to a certain point. I mean, we're talking the largest building I have right now is 11 units. So it's, and she has been managing it for years, but she wants to retire. So I was a great fit for her because that's another thing I do is I mold to them. Like, what are you looking for and what do you need? And, you know, I've even, like, talked to accountants. They're like, can you just send this to my accountant when it comes in? I'm like, sure. So I'm really, really easy to work with, and I try to mold to others. One thing that I've learned is it's easier to work with people versus trying to get them to change and work sure, my way. Sure, so, that makes sense. Yeah. Um, so you did I hear you right that you don't even reduce uh, the payment to the owner by your management fee? Do they Do they pay you? after they get the rent or how does that work? So my fee is one month's rent for a 12 month lease signed. So this, as soon as the lease is signed, deposit paid, tenant moved in, I invoice them that one month and that's my fee for the 12 months. Oh, okay. So essentially when we are placing a tenant, they are interviewing with me because I have to manage them for a year. Hmm. So that's another like step of my process. But yes, I don't take any monthly fees. Okay. Uh, that that also is unique. So very unique. Yes, that's that's interesting. Okay, well let's let's talk a little bit about these processes, and why don't we start at the beginning with the uh, leasing process? Because I think that's you know you got to place a tenant to have uh, some rental income. Right. So what you mentioned, you have uh, a showing agent. Mm -hmm. um, what processes have you put into place to help them be very efficient with their job there? So what I do, we market the home and we do it on a few different rental site 
that um, all leads go directly to my showing agent. She manages the showing. She either works with the current tenant in the home or if, you know, it's a homeowner or if it's vacant. But she manages all that, and then usually she always tells them to check with me to make sure nobody's applied for the property. Once they submit their application, we do credit criminal eviction, verify their rental and employment, and then once they're approved, and I forward that information on to the owner for final approval. That's another thing I've learned, to bring the owner into some of the processes. You know, they like that, to be like, okay, they're just not sticking me with somebody that I don't know anything about. My clients that are more event, you know, they've been with me for a while. They're just like, whatever, Janine, just decide and, you know, sign the lease. But once a tenant has final approval, we sign the lease with them, they pay their deposit, and then we, um, I walk the owner home. The walk, I walk the owner through how to prepare their home. So I offer them cleaning vendors, um, carpet cleaning vendors, and then maintenance to do anything that needs to be touched up or fixed before the tenant moves in. Heidi, that's my showing agent, she meets with the tenant, does a move-in checklist, and usually there's a few other maintenance items. And what we use for a software is Tenant Cloud. Well, that's one of my softwares, but the, I use Tenant Cloud because she can post a maintenance job, I can review it, and then as soon as I assign it to maintenance, they get an email with the tenant contact information. So it's really smooth versus me you know, texting or emailing and things getting lost and that kind of stuff. So all my maintenance folks, they can log on, look at their jobs, their contact, and then I get an email once the job's completed. Sometimes if if there's any job that is above a normal wear and tear, I have to be, I have to know about it. Yeah. So. Okay. Um, so you mentioned the tenant cloud is the one software that you mm -hmm. use, and that's that's great to discuss here as well, just the different um, softwares that are available to make this job easier. Uh, what what did you like about Tenant Cloud when you were deciding to go with that? Option? The communication with my vendors, in you know, like my handyman, my showing agent, like we all can communicate on there versus having to go through email or text messages. So for me, it's more you know, it's just sufficient. And then also it holds the history. So when this property opens up a year later or two years later, we can go back and look, okay, this is what we did during that turn, you know, just so we're aware of any potential problems or what we had already fixed. So it just helps us with keeping our communication notes in one place. Yeah. Yeah, I can see how that's really beneficial. I know that um, one of the challenges with rental properties, and especially if you have several units, is just trying to remember what was done where and when. And if you get a new maintenance request, uh, wasn't this already taken care of? You know, So if you have the history all right there, that's really beneficial. It's very fun. And even for the owners, because they'll be like, didn't I pay an invoice for such and such? And I'm like, let me look. And then I think, like, yeah, here it is. I just sent them a screenshot of it. And so, yes, anything to make it more you know, efficient for everyone yeah. is a win to me. Yep. I can elaborate a little bit once the tenant is placed. I mean, I stay the main contact to the tenant. So they no longer contact Heidi and whatnot. So not only is it beneficial for the owner, but also for the tenant that I'm the only point of contact. So even when a property has had maintenance and maintenance schedules with them, a time to come out and then they contact maintenance directly, maintenance directs them back to me because nobody can just schedule maintenance without me being aware of it. So. Mm -hmm. Part of my program, too, is that 
I treat every property and every bank account, every owner's bank account as if it's mine. So I don't like to overspend any money. I don't like to replace things unless it's broken. Um, I'm not one to upgrade things on a cosmetic level unless we really need to. Yep. So I just try to keep costs low for the owner so they yeah. can be in the black. <laughs> yeah, that's great. Yeah. Well, let's talk a little bit about um, vendors, because you talk, you've mentioned a lot about sending vendors out. Mm-hmm. Um, how have you developed uh, good working relationships with these vendors in order to make sure that you're getting the best deals and the best quality there? Well, being in this business has made has educated me a lot on how to take care of a home and certain services, how much they charge and what it costs and all that. So. I mean, a lot of times I get vendors from referrals, like from a homeowner, like, can you schedule this vendor? Because they've worked with my home and they know it really well. No problem. And then usually I just start interviewing them like, you know, hey, you know, I have a property management company and what are your charges for this, that? Would you be interested in more work? But ultimately, I deal with family owned businesses and we have like an amazing relationship. I mean, I have a drain company, an exterminator, HVAC. I have a a handful of handymen because they all kind of specialize in their own area. Um, One of mine is his background is appliance. Like he literally can fix anything. And when he calls me, he's like, well, I don't know. I'm like, I just don't understand that. Like, I don't, what? (laughs) You know. (laughs) Um, So I just have a handful that I can email and then they feel comfortable with like sending their folks out on a job without having to collect payment ahead of time. And I don't have any tolerance for my owners not paying my vendors and whatnot. So, but everybody seems to work very well together because I feel like the prices are good and I just don't overspend their money. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that's, that's one important thing, not paying vendors up front. Mm -hmm. Uh, I don't know if, if you've ever gotten burned by that before, but, um, what is maybe a challenge that you've experienced with working with vendors and how have you kind of overcome it or learned from it or, um, you know, improved by it? Some of it's scheduling because I do give them the flexibility to schedule directly with the tenant. But when they're late and they don't communicate with the tenant, you know, it's my fault. And I understand that, and you know, tenants take time off to meet with these vendors and whatnot or maintenance. So when they don't show up and don't communicate that to the tenant, it's very, very challenging. Um, I just usually set that precedence with them, you know, like it's, this is what I want and this is what I require. So you have to make sure that if you're going to be late, you communicate with the tenant. Another is when I tell the vendor that, you know, if it's anything above a normal, like just repair, standard repair, you need to get approval from me. Otherwise, I don't guarantee payment. So a lot of my vendors will be, okay, we're going to be at this property between this window, and I just make sure I'm available to approve anything. So that's worked out really well, telling them to tell me when they're going to be there so I can be available for approval. Yeah, that makes sense. So, With these different expectations you're setting with the vendors, Mm -hmm. do you have them like written out in a a flyer that you hand them, or they just developed in the conversation, or...? It's just kind of a handshake conversation. Okay. And, you know, and that's how I work. I wish I could work like that all the time, but <laughs> unfortunately we need contracts and leases. But yeah. Yep. Yeah. So, and it works. Like I said, they're all, most of them are all family owned businesses. So, okay. and they love to troubleshoot, problem solve. And that's really important to me too. It's like, I don't want a quick decision and have it be really expensive when we could have done something to, you know, 
have the appliance or whatever the problem is not be so extensive. Yeah. Okay. That's That sounds good. So what I want to talk about now is the customer relationship with the tenants. Um, being in the business for as long as you have, I'm sure you've had some challenging uh, conversations with the tenants. And um, sometimes we can kind of approach them as a commodity. You know, they need to pay the rent. We're giving them a service of providing housing. But at the same time, we want to make sure they're having a good experience um, and that they're satisfied with their housing. So what would you say about customer service and the role that that plays in this business? I treat customer service as if I'm a customer all the time. So my most important like reaction is to respond, whether or not I have an answer or not. I just like to respond and say, I've gotten your message. I need to do some research and I'll be sure to follow up. And then they just know that it's being looked at. So number one, that. Number two, I don't get too close or personal with any of my tenants. I keep it a business relationship and just be respectful. And I expect the same from them. So I also understand that life happens and some folks need to either break a lease or you know, move because of a job or whatnot. But I try to work with them for a win-win for both owners and tenants. Okay. Yeah, that makes sense. I mean, you got to understand that we're all human beings and things mm-hmm. happen, but uh, keeping things professional and, and following the, the lease terms. Mm-hmm. Um, speaking about the lease, has there been any um, situations that you've run into where you've gone back and say, well, we should add that to the lease? Every year. <laughs> Every year. <laughs> Every year, my lease, I think, went from two to three pages to 10. Okay. So I put as much as I can in there and cover it. And maybe like three years ago, I contacted a lawyer and she helped me write it. And I just, I had the lease and then all that. I just told her everything I wanted to add to it. Mm-hmm. But one important thing that I wanted to keep in my lease is an easy read. I didn't mm-hmm. want a bunch of lawyer jargon that can be misunderstood. So that was just my one requirement with it. Yeah. But I think I, and since I've hired her and I've still added um, some items to it, it's it's worked for me. Like even in one of my addendums, it shows the move out and the fees that goes along with it if things aren't done. Mostly cleaning, but either lawn mowing or shoveling and all, or like leftover items. And having that in my lease has eliminated people disputing deposit returns. Yeah. Okay. That's great. Because that can be a huge, huge dispute if it's if it's misunderstood ahead of time. Yes. So that's good. Um, can you tell us any uh, any other example of something you've added recently to the lease? One of the things I added is drain cleaning. So if the drain is clogged due to anything they put down the drain, they are responsible for the drain cleaning. Yep. So mainly kitchen like food like that. That's what just started to really get to me. It's like. You're putting the food down, but the owner's paying for this. It's just yeah. ridiculous. So yeah. I changed that, and then it's like, you know, hair. It's, it depends on when they move in, and last time we had the drain clean. So, again, I try to work with them about it. I really don't want to gouge either party. And I really – we tell tenants all the time, we want to give you back your deposit. So just take excellent care of the property and give it back to us in good shape, and you'll have that back. Yeah, so. that makes sense. Yeah, so now – Talking about your relationship with the owners, I can, I've can i already heard you say you know, you're flexible and you work with different people in different ways. Um, but sometimes uh, investors who are kind of doing this full-time and they have a lot of investment properties, they talk about their management company as, well, they need to manage the manager. 
make sure that the manager is doing the right thing. Um, how do you deal with or handle those types of situations? I don't feel overmanaged with my investors that I work with. I mean, again, I treat them the same as tenants. If they have a question or if they need something from me, I just get it for them as quickly as I can. It's one of my strengths is that I'm really, really organized. And in my office and on my computer, I mean, I just have everything within a moment's touch. So, And I think they really appreciate that. And also, I, my memory. I mean, I have a memory of steel. So even if they call on the... You know, hey, do you remember what happened this date, whatever? I usually can, you know, recall it, but I might have to get details as far as like how much it was or something like that. But those, and I think they appreciate that. And by them calling me, I'm not charging them because <laughs> I just got a, a, an account and every time he called the property manager, it was like clocked like a lawyer. Oh, really? So he was like, I'm paying like $700 a month. Oh my. <laughs> Why? <laughs> <laughs> but then once I got all their information, because that's, that sets me aside is that a lot of property managers will like pay bills like utility bills and then bill that back to the tenant, which again is where an accountant and bookkeeping come in play where I just make the tenant responsible for it, make sure they get a copy of the bill and set it up where if the bill is delinquent, that utility bill sends me a copy and lets me know. Okay. So, and then I can follow up. Yeah. Okay. So, Making sure whoever's responsible for it pays the bill. Mm -hmm. Okay, so you you said that you're really organized. Tell us about that. Is it is it this tenant cloud that that helps you stay organized, or what other systems are helping you be able to have those answers right away for your owners? Mainly, it's tenant cloud because we have all of our information on there. Okay. But again, my memory because I just remember a lot of stuff, <laughs> mm -hmm. and um, you know, it, it's just I can pull up anything that I need. Like even if an invoice came in and they want another copy of that invoice. I keep all that stuff and I can just go to their file, find it and send it to them. So it's not like, okay, I'll get back to you in 48 hours or whatnot. Like I can just get everything mm -hmm. to them as quickly as possible, which I think people appreciate. And these days, everybody wants everything immediately, even a response to an email. So yep. I always just try to set those expectations of when they're going to hear from me. And yeah. That's good. Um, so for uh, investors, again, um, you know, they're going to be focused a lot on their bottom line uh, because that's what's going to determine the property value. Um, so what would you say are ways that you've found to either increase the income or decrease their expenses so that the net operating income is where it should be? So it would depend, too, on their ultimate plan with the building you know, or whatever they're like, whether it be a home or a duplex or whatnot, if they're looking to keep it in their portfolio for years, or if they wanted to keep it for two years, build it up and then sell it with high rents. So if they wanted higher rents, I would probably recommend maybe updating it a little bit. I mean, the best way to update a property is paint, appliances, flooring, very simple. And I call it lipstick up updates. So that if that's what they wanting to do is to, you know, have it for a couple of years and then sell it, I would say that if they wanted to keep it and keep their costs down, I would get it as clean as possible because I think that's the most important thing for tenants. And then if something broke, replace it, but, you know, not replacing it with something high end, but super cheap, but kind of like middle of the road where it's going to has a long shelf life. Yeah. So. Yeah, that that's a really good point right there. Just using products that are going to last a long time. Are there any specific ones you can think of that 
have stood out as, you know, we always should do this so that um, you don't have to replace it again in a year or two. So one thing that I come across often is toilets and the low flush toilet, uh, okay. like the low water. I mean, those, I just don't see the benefit of those and people get really frustrated with them. And then we end up having a lot of maintenance calls on them because they don't think it's operating properly. So I just always tell folks standard, like basic, just your standard toilet or appliances. Don't get too techy because those appliances are more difficult to fix and they're more expensive to fix. So anything just like middle of the road okay. is what I always recommend. Yeah. Well, that's an interesting example with the low flow toilets. I mean, we all trying to save on water so we don't have the water bill too high, but you're finding that they are more costly to repair. Is that what I'm hearing? Or tenants complain and they think they're faulty, and then when maintenance goes out there, they have to explain to them, no, it's just, you know, a low flow, and this is how it works. Okay. And then they don't like it sometimes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Can we get a new toilet? No. <laughs> it's a toilet. <laughs> so, but it, that's what you come across, you know, and yeah. I come across a lot of maintenance issues that I really tr I try to troubleshoot before I send out maintenance. Mm -hmm. Um like one time I got a call from a tenant and she's like, all these light bulbs keep, you know, burning out in my kitchen. And I said, have you replaced them? Oh, no. <laughs> we'll replace the light bulbs and let me know. Yeah. And then I never heard from her. So <laughs> little things like that. And so that's why I don't want maintenance to be the first point of contact because he, you know, he'll go out and check it out. And then $50 later, it goes to my owner and I don't like that. So mm -hmm. I always have to stay the main contact to make sure I troubleshoot first. Yep. And my maintenance folks are great. Like, I'll call them. I'm like, this is going on. Do you have any suggestions and whatnot? So. Yep. Well, that's really great to be working with maintenance people that will troubleshoot over the phone. Exactly. Uh, there's nothing worse than getting a bunch of service trip charges and when nothing was repaired. Right. <laughs> and that's what sets me aside, too, from other management companies because I don't have staff. So I don't like have to charge monthly fee. Not to say other management companies do this whatsoever, but I don't have employees that I have to keep busy. So I just send them out to properties to randomly do stuff. And I don't know how they do it. Do they bill that back to the owner or whatnot? But, and that's, it leads me to another thing as far as like being in the units or being in the properties. I rely on maintenance's eyes of if they see something that's disastrous to tell me so okay. I can follow up with the tenant. Well, that, that was kind of my next question as well. Um, if you don't have any maintenance at a property, how often do you go and inspect it? Well, usually they need a rental license inspection once or twice a year. So me personally, I'm there, you know, at least once a year, every other year. Um, if it turns every year, I have Heidi, my showing agent, who's there. She does that. And then maintenance, any kind, of, even if it's just like a contractor, like a drain cleaning company, I'll ask them, what did it look like? Did everything look okay? And technology is great this year. Like even my drain company, which <laughs> gets a little bit too much, but he, they take photos of what they pulled out of the drain. And sometimes I'm like, okay, I didn't need to see that. <laughs> but, um, you know, technology has been a win because even with tenants, like if they're struggling with something, I'll ask for a picture. And then I can kind of even see the room and how they're living. And I'm like, oh, good. So, yeah. But yeah. So that's it. I kind of rely on people that I contract to be in the properties. Okay. To, but the buildings, a lot of properties that I inherit, I inherit in tenants that have worked with owners for years. 
And it's really important to owners that I keep a good relationship with them. And a lot of them get really nervous. They go, great, now a property manager is coming in. Our rents are going to raise. We're not going to get good, good customer service. But I've been really successful in transitioning those. And I really do like, I mean, good tenants, I mean, I like them too. So whenever owners are like, I just really want to keep them happy, I'm like, I would be more than happy to do that for you. So mm. Okay. Yeah. Is there any um, strategy that you have to... Um, when you talk to the tenants about that transition to calm their fears about it? I usually send out an email. I'd say the majority of them follow up with me. Um, one account that I just recently got, um, it was 12, 12 homes kind of in a one area. And the owner felt it was really important that I went to each property with him and he introduced them to me and I met every one of them. Except for I did not meet this one tenant and he had called me about something. He's like, you know, I'm kind of upset. Everybody in the neighborhood met you but me. Why didn't you stop by? I'm like, I'm sorry. <laughs> so I told him I'd stop by next time in the area. But oh yeah, so it's it's usually a good transition. But that's it all just depends on the owner and how they want to do it. But yeah. Again, as long as I just communicate with them, they seem to okay. you know, be okay. Sounds good. Yeah. Um, so another question I have is when a property owner is getting ready to sell and they want to make sure they're maximizing the sale price, um, if they turn to you and ask, you know, what things should I do to my property? What, what are some examples of things that you might suggest when an owner is getting ready to sell their property? Depending on the condition of the home, um, you know, I'd probably, again, just say lipstick stuff. But also, I would refer them probably to their realtor. Every day, I don't do buying and selling. So I know a little bit just, you know, based on being in the industry. But ultimately, like I said prior, I used to buy and sell and do property management. And I just found that I'm much better at property management. So I really don't have any interest in buying and selling. Okay. So I usually refer them to an agent that I work with. Mm -hmm. and have them assess the home and give them the feedback that they need. And it's great because I feel like I have more success um, in working with real estate agents because they're not concerned that I'm going to steal their client. Mm -hmm. So if they're working with a client with a house or property that can't sell and they want me to rent it out for a year, they can go back to that agent for selling. Mm -hmm. I'm just there to rent it. So it kind of makes it a win-win for me to work with agents because, yeah. you know, agents don't want to let go of their clients, which I don't blame them, so... Yeah. Yep. All right. So one thing I want to touch on is just uh, based on your experience with how the rental market is going, we, we all know that, you know, rents have been going up quite a bit, um, even to a surprising amount to, to myself and, and others. Um, but so based on your experience with how quickly it's taking to fill a vacancy, how, how do you feel the demand is going forward in 2020? I mean, I'm not a fortune teller, but I do feel like it's still strong. The rental market is still really strong. And um, I do a really good job in run running comps. And again, I don't want to gouge a tenant, but I want an owner to get the maximum rent they can get. So right now, I mean, we're in January, so it's kind of plateau. But as it comes to spring, do I think it'll creep up a little bit? But to your point, I don't know. I don't, I mean, it's, it's hard to believe that we can jump rents like another $100 a month this spring, but it is possible. So, because there is definitely in the spring, summer months, there's definitely more supply than demand. When we have a property come on the market, I mean, my showing agent, Heidi, she's like overwhelmed. She's like, I cannot, I have 30 emails for one property. Mm -hmm. I might just do an open house. 
and people show up and it's like, and they will like, I'll pay $50 more a month. I'll do this. It's like crazy if they really, really want it. So, um, but I do, I still think we'll creep up a little bit this year. I, I just don't know how much our market can really handle, but yeah. Yep. There's going to be the, the ceiling of what people can afford, right? which already obviously is a big issue, mm-hmm. but, um, okay. Well, that's good to know your experience there. Um, well, very good. So, you know, what we've covered today, I think has been really helpful to talk about the systems and processes that you use. Um, any other experiences that you've had that are really uh, kind of shaped how you do your business, how you operate your business and, you know, other systems and processes that you've put into place? Yes. Um, one of the biggest ones is the screening process. I mean, we have requirements and we try to stick to those. Um, I really, credit scores, I don't care so much, but as far as rental references and employment references, if they do not meet our requirements, we just pass on them. I always tell owners, I know you want a tenant in there paying rent, especially if it's a vacant unit, but it's just never worth the risk. So I don't, in in this market, we don't have to take risks. Um, One, one risk that I took, I I think it was like seven years ago. um, My, my husband's client reached out to me and had inherited a twin home and it it was vacant. He wanted to do all these renovations and I'm like, don't, we'll get this rent for it, whatnot. He's like, okay, showed it a while. I had somebody interested, and Heidi had called me. She's like, you just have to hear him out. So his criminal was um, bad. Like, he had a kidnapping charge, uh, a rape, and robbery. Mm-hmm. And I, and it was 20 years ago. He did his time and whatnot, but he was, like, shaking because he just found out he had a daughter that was four years old, and the mother was incarcerated, and he needed to take um, – custody of her so he but he needed to be in his own home because forever since he's been out of jail he had rented from a friend to this day he is one of my favorite clients he he was he's great so I try not I try to keep an open mind again life happens but I also have to keep the owner's interest in mind as well so the biggest, I mean, I just take all information and look at it and then decide. Yeah. But I kind of feel like their application is a resume. Mm-hmm. And if it doesn't look good, I just know better. Yep. So. Well, that's an interesting example. I mean, we've we've run into those types of unique situations where, I mean, people have made some bad decisions, but if they've served their time and they've, they've you know, paid their dues, um, they still need a place to live when they when they're ready to enter society. So right. those are challenging ones. And he was out for a while. So it wasn't as if he was just coming up and he was, I asked him, I said, can you tell me a little bit more about your criminal charge? He goes, I did it. And I served my time. He goes, biggest regret in my life. And I was like, my husband was like, please do not put him in my client's house. Mm. <laughs> I said too late. <laughs> so, <laughs> oh but he's been, he's just a great, he's a great guy, great tenant. And Yeah. And he's and he has maintenance, so we're in there often. So it's not like we're in the home at least once a year, if not more than that. Okay. So, yeah, well, very good. Yeah. Well, that's good. I think we're going to wrap things up here today. I have a couple of closing questions, just so that the audience can get to know you a little bit better. Mm-hmm. And the first question is, why do you get up in the morning? 
you know, I love my life. I mean, my family, my job. <laughs> I don't even know why I'm getting shaky. But anyway, family, job, and I mean, it's with property manager management, it's never a dull day. There's yep. always there's always different things going on. There's I'm always learning, and I just really like what I do. Wonderful. Um, and what's an event or a person that was kind of monumental and changing or shaping who you are today? So when I was pregnant with my son, so this would be like 2007, we remodeled our home. And me and my contractor, um, I, I mean, we had our moments together because as you do sometimes with your contractors. But the last two weeks, um, I was in the home and he would lose his mind like if I was um, lifting any boxes or whatever because at this point I was seven months pregnant. But I just remember sitting in the hallway and he was working on something and was, I was unpacking and he had rental property in other states and we just sat there and talked about business and processes and I learned so much from him. <laughs> so and to this day, he still helps me out. <laughs> oh, okay. Very good. All right. And... Um... What's the best way that people could get in touch with you if they want to learn more about your company? ChristyLiving.com. It's C-H-R-I-S-T-Y Living, L-I-V-I-N-G.com. My phone number and email is on there, and it goes straight to me. So phone call, email, text, whatever is easier. All right, wonderful. Well, again, Janine, I appreciate you coming into the studio today. I do want to give you a small gift as our token of appreciation. Thank you. The official Maximizing Your Property Value mug. Thanks. And are you more likely to put coffee, tea, hot chocolate in that? Mm, wine. Okay. <laughs> Sounds good. All right. Well, thank you so much for coming in. And uh, thank you, everybody, for listening to the episode. If you got something out of it, be sure to leave a comment and uh, share it out with somebody else who might be able to benefit from this. So thank you so much and we'll see you next time. Thanks, John. The opinions shared on this show are for informational purposes only and should not be taken as a solicitation for representation or investments in any specific offering. Please consult with your financial, legal, tax, and real estate advisor before making any investment decisions. John Stiles is a licensed Minnesota real estate agent with Bridge Realty. Thanks for tuning in to Maximizing Your Property Value, the apartment owner's guide to operating rental properties as a successful business. If you're considering scaling up downsizing or right-sizing your real estate investment portfolio, it's important to know how to determine your property's value in today's market. That's why I've put together a free ebook for you called How to Calculate Your Investment Property's Value. To get your copy, go to www.realestatestyles.com forward slash value. Now, if you found any value in today's show, be sure to subscribe to our email newsletter, YouTube channel, and podcast through your favorite podcast player. All the links are in the show notes. And would you do me a big favor? Help me get the word out about this show by sharing with your friends on Facebook and LinkedIn. And lastly, we appreciate your five-star rating on iTunes. I really appreciate you and wish you the best in your real estate investing career. Signing off, I'm John Stiles with Bridge Realty. Make it a great day.